Well, it's true that uh, the love of a mother is a reflection or should be a reflection of God's love for us. Uh, That's uh, a beautiful sentiment, a beautiful picture of how that uh, when we look at a mother's love, we can truly uh, catch a glimpse of God's love for us. He he hardwired mothers that way. Um, Today, Uh, As we continue looking at this idea of peace, I want us to look at how that God describes the love of a mother uh, and compares what heaven looks like uh, when he describes that love of a mother. Have have you ever had a hug that changed your life? A a hug that um, chased away fear, a hug that that gave courage and strength in the face of of insurmountable odds? Have you ever had a hug that was more than just a a more intimate handshake, but it really did uh, give strength and courage and hope, all in a hug? It's almost beyond description other than that's a lot like the mother's hug that the prophet Isaiah was thinking about in Isaiah 66. If you remember, Isaiah began his journey, and as he began his, his vision of the Lord and communicating to the children of Israel, it began in the throne room of God. And, uh, and then he took the children of Israel, God took them through this, this journey to where he would see heaven. And as God began to describe heaven, and he described it in terms of Jerusalem and a holy city, as he described heaven, uh, Isaiah 66, um, uh, listen to how God describes it. He says, I will make peace flow to her like a river. That's you and me, children of Israel, you and me, the people of God. I will make peace flow to her like a river, a constant flow, a constant source. And wealth of nations will flow like a flood. You will nurse, here's the imagery, you will nurse and be carried on her hip and bounced on her lap. As a mother comforts her son or daughter, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted in Zion or Jerusalem. Did you realize that that when God talks about heaven... He talks uh, a lot, compares it to the embrace of a mother. In this room, we have some babies going on here, and I love it. And please, parents, don't ever feel awkward about bringing your children to worship. Don't ever feel awkward about that. Uh, And you say, well, my baby cries. Good. I like that. I do. I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful music in the worship of the Lord where we have children and babies crying. But many of you are, 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 are expectant mothers or new mothers, and, and you have that baby, or you've got these uh, little uh, pre-walking things. And you, you have them on your hip, and, and, and you're feeding them, and you're nurturing them, and you're nourishing them, and they depend upon you for everything. That's the picture that God paints of himself when it comes to us and him and heaven. He says that we are like those little babies. We need the constant flow of God's comfort and peace 
to nourish our soul. And that's what heaven is like. God providing perpetual peace for us. It's really a picture of us crawling up in the lap of the living God for eternity. Now that is how we see heaven. We see heaven more than just the streets of gold. By the way, heaven is a place, and it's a real place. It's not a state of mind. Heaven is more than a rocking chair uh, out front on a front porch uh, in front of a trout-laden pond. I love that idea. That's beautiful, but heaven is a lot more like that. And, and, and heaven, heaven is more than a hole-in-one on the golf course. And heaven is more than... Uh, 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 an amusement park, and heaven is more than 99% off sale. Heaven is more than, than those things. Heaven is a place, and it's immense in its majesty, its grandeur, and its glory. It is, it is enormous in its size and in its shape and its structure, but, but heaven is more than a place. Heaven is more than streets of gold and crystal sea and and pearly gates. Heaven is living for eternity in the peace of God's embrace. Heaven is where you and I curl up for eternity in the lap of God himself and live in intimacy with him for eternity. It's where we find our deepest desires satisfied, not by uh, 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 casting to a rising trout. Y'all don't even understand that language, but to me, that's heavenly. Uh, or or, or, or uh, playing a good game at uh, one, of our, one of the games. Heaven is when we find our greatest delight in the very presence of God forever. You, you realize you were made not to be satisfied with earthly things. And yet, that's what we look to. We look for um, a song that we sing to satisfy. Do you realize there's no song that we can sing that will satisfy your soul? That is an earthly shadow of something that's more profound. And we, we look for relationships here to satisfy us. And, and guys, I've got the best wife in the world, and she's the best mother to our daughters, but that relationship cannot satisfy me the way God intends to satisfy me. It's good, but it's just a shadow of the things that it's supposed to be. There is nothing on this earth that can satisfy us the way we long to be satisfied. There's nothing in our pursuits or our, our desires or our ambitions or our relationships that can satisfy us. No, only God can do that. Uh, we were designed, made in the image and the likeness of God. We were designed to be satisfied by this one thing, to live forever in the embrace of God. To live forever in his embrace and so my question to you is, have you tasted the heavenly peace that God promises? Have you taken hold of it? Has it satisfied you? Are you on a journey between here and heaven, tasting that peace as you go? Heaven 
Heaven is living forever in the perfect peace of God's embrace. And what that means is that, that Jesus has come to give peace. Uh, he's called the Prince of Peace. All right, so y'all going to have to walk. This is a long sermon. Really, it's a long introduction and a short sermon, okay? So, so I'll tell you when the sermon begins. Right now, we're still in the introduction, okay? So it's a long introduction with a short sermon. So here we are. We're, 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 uh, we're listening to Jesus, and Jesus himself is called the Prince of Peace. That's the ruler of peace, Shar Shalom, and that, it means that he is the one who fights for our peace and delivers our peace and protects our peace. We know that peace is more than just the absence of conflict. We all want some absence of conflict, right? Absence of conflict is not a bad thing. Absence of conflict is a good thing. I like absence of conflict. You watch the news or you, 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 you go to work and you hear people talk, you, you're like, man, we could use some absence of conflict in our lives. So I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that's only a piece of what peace really is. We have learned over the last several weeks that peace is more than the, the absence of conflict. Peace is the wholeness of life. It's the satisfaction of the soul. It is a life whose fruit is blessing. It's where we live each day with our heart shaped with satisfaction through a relationship with God. It's where we can sing and we can dance and we can celebrate because we live in relationship with the King of glory. We, well, peace is more than the absence of conflict. Peace is a life of wholeness and health. And friends, we have enemies of our peace today. I've got enemies, you've got enemies, we all got enemies. But it's not another person most of the time. The enemies of our peace are not the circumstances that go haywire on us, although that does happen. Most of the time, the enemies of peace are the things that I've got to battle with in my own heart, in my own mind. The things that... Um, distance me from God. You see, if the fullness of peace, the full flavor of peace is living in the embrace of God, what are those things in your life that keep you from walking with God? What are the things in your life, the, the everyday habits, the struggles, the fears, the anxieties, the, the longings? What are the ambitions that keep you from walking with God? This is what we are doing battle with as followers of Jesus, if indeed you belong to Jesus, right? And if we do belong to Jesus, the Prince of Peace, Jesus himself, is speaking to us to help us walk in the peace that he has provided us and to do battle with these enemies of peace that confront us until we get to heaven. Now, this is the good news. And can I tell you, every follower of Jesus, every person who belongs to Jesus, we need to have heaven in our mind and in our heart because heaven is where we are truly satisfied. Heaven is living forever in perfect peace in God's embrace. It's, it's where we are now dwelling with God with unfettered intimacy. It's where God is not just an idea, not just a thought, not just the spirit of God working in us or the word of God speaking to us, but now it's me eyeball to eyeball with the creator, the king, the one who satisfies me, God himself. It's me. This is heaven. It's me dwelling hand in hand, literally skin to skin with God himself. It's me 
curling up, literally, not figuratively, not metaphorically, but literally curling up in the very lap of the God of the universe and him holding me to himself and saying, man, I'm glad you're here. Now that's heaven. That's the longing of our soul. People have said it in different ways and uh, more magnificent ways and old English ways and different language ways, but when it comes down to it, heaven is living forever in perfect peace in God's embrace. And that is the longing of your heart and mine. That's the longing of our soul. So today, let's look and see how that, how that God brings us this peace and how he helps us prepare for the peace. Now, just as Isaiah began with a vision in the courts of heaven and ended in Isaiah 66 talking about heaven, John the apostle had a vision from God. And it's, it begins in John 1 and it ends in, I mean, uh, Revelation 1 and it ends in Revelation 22. As we look at this, uh, this revelation from God, he's, he's preparing us for heaven. And literally, the entire book of Revelation, from the beginning to the end, uh, John, God is leading John to prepare his hearers, his readers, for heaven itself. That's the journey. It's a journey of where we are today, from here to heaven. So in John chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, what, what John the apostle is doing is he's trying to help us get ready for heaven and experience the peace that God promises in heaven. So John chapter 1, and, and just I want you to take note of verse 3, although we're going to lean into verse 4 through 8, but ju- just verse 3, Revelation 1, verse 3. Revelation. Chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. So, so the very first thing is we, John saying, hey, listen, I want you to read this so that you might experience the fruit of peace, which is blessedness. Blessedness is a satisfied life. Blessedness is what peace does to us. So so he's beginning this journey and he's saying, I want to take you on a journey from Revelation chapter 1 to Revelation 22. I'm going to take you on a journey so that you can get ready for heaven, which is living forever in perfect peace in God's embrace. Blessed. All right, so now verse 4. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace. From him who is, who was, who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Verse 7. Behold, he is coming. He is coming with clouds, and and every eye will see him, and and even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. Verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, who is to come, the Almighty. Now, what is he doing there? Well, God is saying, okay, We're going to go on this journey, and and I want you to be blessed as we go on this journey. But in order to be blessed, you need to take hold of the words that I'm about to say. And, And that journey is going to lead us 
from here to heaven. And the promise for us is peace here, but ultimate peace in heaven. Look, look, you've got a taste of peace this side of heaven. As a follower of Jesus, if indeed you belong to Jesus, you've been forgiven your sin, you've been brought into fellowship with God, the Spirit of God resides within you, the seven spirits of the churches in Asia. That, that's a seven-fold seven perfect Holy Spirit who is working his work in us to draw us near to God. The work of the Holy Spirit is more than just to equip us for service. It's more than just to, uh, just to uh, give us a, a feeling of what God wants. It's more than just to open our eyes to see what God says. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit's role is to bring us, this side of heaven, close to God so that we might live in intimacy and nearness with the God of the universe. Okay, And that is a function of the Spirit who delivers peace to us. But on this journey, we begin by taking hold of the words by the Spirit of God working in us, and he's leading us to that place in time where we see Jesus makes all things right. Jesus is coming. Do you believe it? Jesus is coming, and when he shows up, all that is upside down will be turned right side up. Jesus is coming. And heaven is a picture of the rightness that Jesus brings. Jesus came to bridge the distance between a sinner and a holy God. And because we are sinners, we needed a Savior. And we found that Savior in Jesus Christ. And Jesus died on a cross for your sin and mine. He was buried. He was raised from the dead to give new life. And when we, by faith, repented our sin, trusted in Jesus, we were brought into the family of God, and we received peace with God. And the Bible says that Jesus then poured his spirit within us so that we could live in intimacy with God. But there are still, there's still struggles that we face from here to heaven. We want the peace that heaven promises. We want that perfect peace. That perfect peace is described in Revelation 21. So turn over to Revelation 21. In Revelation 21, we see a picture of this peace that, that Jesus delivers us, that heaven promises us. If heaven is living forever in perfect peace in God's embrace, Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4, teaches us about it. Now, Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4, this is our Bible passage to memorize this week as a church. Regardless of location, whether it's at Volvo or Kimsfield locations, this is our Bible verse. Remember last week we memorized Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17. This week we're memorizing this passage, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. Okay? And it's a great passage to memorize. All right, Revelation chapter 21. Now, here is the heaven part of here to heaven. Okay? Here's what John writes. He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, there was also no more sea. I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he shall be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Now, this is a picture of peace. 
It's not just any kind of peace. It's perfect peace. Heaven is a place of perfect peace. It's a place of perfect peace because there's no more separation between us and a holy God. The picture of the sea there in uh, Revelation 21 verse, uh, verse 1 where he says there's no more sea. The sea is a picture of separation between humanity and God. And so when John says, I see the new heaven and the new earth, and there's no more sea, he's saying there's no more separation between us and God. There is absolute access between us and God. Heaven is a place of perfect peace because there's no more separation. Heaven is a place of perfect peace because there is no more death. There's no more death. One of the greatest obstacles that we have for, uh, to peace in this life is the prospect of losing our life. Death is that ominous, dark specter that confronts us, that robs us of peace and instills fear in our hearts. Have you ever, ever, ever heard of a horror movie? We're living a horror movie because death is the end for us all. And we're scared of it. But heaven is a place of perfect peace because death has been killed and it's been replaced with a life that Jesus offers us, the resurrected one who gives us life in place of death. Death has been destroyed. It has been killed forever. Heaven is a place of perfect peace because there's no more death. There's no more evil. In Revelation chapter 20, the devil and his demon horde have been cast into the abyss. They no longer hold sway or influence over anyone any longer. They're done. They're gone. And so we now living in heaven are living in a place of perfect peace. And just think of it. With evil destroyed, heartache and pain are demolished. Everything changes. Heaven is perfect peace. Think of it. There's no more broken homes, no more broken hearts, no more broken hopes, no more broken health, no more broken dreams. There's no pain. There's no groaning. There's no sighing. There's no crying. There's no sickness. There's no suffering. There's no sorrow. The addictions that that tempt us are demolished. The violence that scares us is snuffed out. Heaven's peace is perfect peace. And it's the kind of peace that we all long to know, take hold of, and to have in our lives. When human hands, when human hands wipe away tears in earthly cities, those tears return. But when God's heavenly hands wipe away tears in that eternal city, those tears are gone forevermore. Heaven is a place of perfect peace. What makes heaven a place of perfect peace is not what we do, but what God has done. He makes himself available to us. Again, Revelation 21, the tabernacle of God is with men. That means that God has come to us, that God has made his home with us. Heaven is us curled up in the lap of the living God, dwelling in his presence in real time, real space, real conversation. 
It's not just a thought that we have. It's not just the words that we read. It's not just the Spirit of God awakening us to certain things. Now it is face to face. My eyes see him. My ears hear him. My nose smells him. My hands touch him. He is real. He is alive. And he is with me. The maker of the heaven and the earth, the one who created the sun, moon, and stars, the one who made something out of nothing, this same God who breathed dust into life and made man and woman, this God who who made us who we are and built us with a capacity to know him and long to know him, we are finally fully human in the presence of God in heaven. Guys, listen, heaven's no small thing. And it's not just something we should talk about at funerals. It's something we should be thinking about all the time. I'm just a pilgrim passing through. I'm on my way. But so many of us, we invest so much of our lives and our energy and our time in this little speck of dust called now. We think that this is all there is, that this moment, this time is all there is for us. We forget that we're going to be spending eternity with God in heaven. And God has given us this little speck of time. To prepare for that. Just to get ready. How much of your energy is focused on getting your IRA in in shape? How much of your energy is focused in making sure that that you have all all the fun and games that you want? I mean, my goodness, when I prepare for a fishing trip, it like dominates every thought that I have. I mean, I got to get my lures ready. I got to tie my flies. I got to make sure my equipment's ready. Do I have my fishing license? Do I have this? Do I have that? Do I have the other? I get all those things that it consumes so much of me. And heaven, I give so little thought. But it should be reverse. We need to change our mindset. We need to flip the script. We need to be thinking today. This fishing trip I'm getting ready to go on, it is a preparation time for me to get to heaven. That's the way I always look at it, right? This this is just preparing me for heaven, right? The struggles I have in my family, these are just moments that help me long for heaven or get ready for heaven. You see, we have tasted peace. If indeed we're followers of Jesus, and heaven is a real place, real uh, with a real fellowship with the living God. So today, are you ready for heaven? Still introduction. We haven't gotten to the sermon yet. So in Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, John wants to get us ready for Revelation 21. As we think about what John does to get us ready for heaven so that we can walk in the peace. Now, when we get to heaven, we taste peace unfettered. Perfect peace, complete peace. No no longing in our heart that's unsatisfied because we're in the lap of God himself. So the question is, how do we walk this journey to, to taste peace along the way? Well, first thing I'd say is, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, there's no heaven for you. And, and I, I say that humbly and with a heart that longs for you to have Heaven. If you're you're not yet a follower of Jesus, then the only way for you to taste peace is to meet Jesus, the Prince of Peace. 
allow him to change your life forever. But if you are a follower of Jesus, John gives us some, some steps that we can take every day, and it's simple steps. The things that this is sermon, by the way. This is the sermon. You ready? Simple steps that we can take to help us prepare for heaven as we tra- travel from here to heaven. Okay? How do we taste peace? Well, the first thing is we need to focus on who Jesus is. Again, you look in, in, in Revelation chapter 1, he says in verse 5, he focuses on Jesus. And he says, from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth. Okay? So let's just stop there. What John is doing, he's saying, if we're going to get ready for Revelation 21, we need to focus on who Jesus is today in our life and in our experience. And who is Jesus? First, he is the faithful witness. He's the truth teller. Can I just humbly suggest that you might have all the wisdom that you think you can muster and you have all the insight that you think your friends can give you, but if you're not listening and submitting to the wisdom, the truth of Jesus Christ, you are going the wrong direction. If I listen to my heart, then I'm listening to something that is so misinformed. If I'm listening to my emotions or the emotions of those around me, I'm listening to something that is so skewed in its perspective. But if I'm listening to Jesus, the faithful witness, I am listening to the truth teller, the one who tells me the true north of my direction, the steps to take, the place to go, the things to do, the people to see. Jesus is the one who directs me. He is the truth teller. Got to focus every day on the truth. If I'm going to taste peace from here to heaven, I need to submit myself to the truth that Jesus tells me and follow his instruction. Jesus is the truth teller. Jesus is also the life giver. He's the firstborn from the dead. Now, that's not just a statement that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, but when, when that is used in Scripture, it's saying not only is he the firstborn from the dead, but there are other people that he is giving life to. And Jesus is the one who is the author of life, and he wants to give life to you and me. And by the way, if you or I are trying to find life in any source apart from Jesus, then we're going to come up empty, no matter how good that source may appear to be. If we're looking for life apart from Jesus, if we're looking to be satisfied in our life apart from Jesus, then we're going to come up dissatisfied and empty And so we must look to Jesus, focus on Jesus, who is the life giver. He is the truth teller. He is the life giver, and he is the king. He is the king of the universe, the king of creation. Everyone bows before him. Do you? Are you submitting yourself to the king of glory? Are you submitting your emotions, your attitudes, your perspectives? Are you submitting all that you are to Jesus? And this comes to play, especially in our relationships, You know, so often in our relationships, we feel justified in behaving in a way that is contrary to what Jesus wants. How do we know what Jesus wants? Well, the Bible tells us. We behave with a lack of kindness or a lack of grace or a lack of compassion. We don't show love. We show hatred. Show bitterness, wrath, anger, malice. Those are things that we need to put away. When we submit ourselves to Jesus the King, then we will follow his instructions. We will submit ourselves to him, and he will give us peace, even when relationships seem out of whack. As long as we're following the instructions of Jesus, we will experience peace in the face of those out-of-whack moments in our relationship. 
We need to focus on who Jesus is. Secondly, we need to focus on what Jesus has done. See, it's a short sermon. Short sermon. Long introduction, short sermon. We need to focus on what Jesus has done. Look at the second part of verse 5. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. What did Jesus do? Jesus loved us. Jesus loved sinners like you and me. He loved us so much so that he determined to die in our place on a cross. He, washed, he, 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 he loved us so much that he would wash away the stain and the guilt of our sin through the shedding of his own blood. Jesus has loved you. He has loved me. He's loved us in our snarkiest moments. He's loved us when we're mostly sarcastic. He's loved us in our uh, self-centered selfishness. He's loved us in our absolute arrogance. He's loved us in our greatest evils and, and most heinous wickednesses. Jesus still loved us. He loved us not based upon our perfection, but based upon his perfection. Jesus has loved us so much so that he died for you and me upon a cross so that we might live through him. Oh, what has Jesus done? Friends, he saved you. This is the good news, the gospel of peace. This is what we need to focus on. We need to focus on not our performance, but upon the love of Jesus who gives us life by his own death and paves a way to heaven for us. We need to focus on who Jesus is. We need to focus on what Jesus has done. And finally, we need to focus on who we are in Christ. Again, look in verse 6, Revelation 1, verse 6, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Who are we in Christ? We are subjects and servants who have been sent sent forth to do the will of him who has saved us. This is peace found in fulfilling our purpose. Our purpose is not to make a living. Our purpose is not merely to be happy in the moment. Our purpose is to serve our king. We are kings and priests, and we serve him by being his hands and feet in this world, by demonstrating to others how that they can find peace with God, to helping them understand that there is a way to heaven, but the only way to heaven is through faith in Jesus Christ. Today, as we close, I wanted to read a story to you. And it's a story about a mama and her son and heaven. Sounds like a good country song, but I'll... There's actually, but I won't sing it because it ruined the moment. Uh, It's a story written by Cindy Holmes, who's a pediatric nurse in Houston, Texas. And she wrote an article about a mother and her child, uh, both of them in the hospital, both of them suffering from a terminal illness, both of them on their way to die. The child, the little boy, his name is Tyler. And Tyler had been dependent upon all kinds of medical treatments, and and sometimes he needed supplemental oxygen, but Cindy said it didn't slow him down. He was all boy. He was a dynamo. He frequently raced through his Houston neighborhood with a little backpack 
that held medications that he was going to have to take that day. Other times, you would see him running through the neighborhood pulling his little red radio flyer wagon that had a canister of oxygen in it. And off he would go through the neighborhood playing like children play. Cindy, the nurse, got to know Tyler and his mother best when they were both permanently in the hospital in the last stages of their illness, both waiting to die. When it became clear uh, to Tyler's mother that Tyler was probably going to die first, she decided that she had better talk to her son about what was going to come next. She pulled him up into her lap, and they talked about life and love and fun. And then Tyler's mom brought up the topic of heaven. She said, you know, Tyler, I was kind of hoping that you would do your growing up here. But the doctors say your body is telling them that you might want to move on and grow up in heaven. You know, Tyler, I made a decision too. And Tyler asked, what's that, Mommy? She said, I've decided that if you're going to go live in heaven, I'm going to go do that too. Because wherever you are, that's where I want to be. A few days later, Cindy Holmes, the nurse, came into Tyler's room and she said he looked up at her and he said, Miss, Miss Holmes, will you do me a favor? Cindy said, sure, Tyler, what is it? He said, when I die, would you put a red shirt on me? Cindy answered, Tyler, why do you want me to do that? And then Tyler explained, well, I'm going to grow up in heaven, and I've been told it's fun over there. I'm, I'm going to have friends, and I'm going to play. But my mommy <clears throat> is going to come over there too, and, and I'm going to be busy, and she's going to be looking for me. And, and, and if I'm having a lot of fun, and if I'm real busy, I, I might not see her coming, and, and I, don't want, I don't want to miss her. I want her to be able to see me. So it's really important that I have on something that she can see. So would you get me a red shirt? You know, heaven is a real place. And when we get to heaven, we're going to see real people. And my prayer is that when I get to heaven, I'll see you. But that's not automatic. The only way that you can see me in heaven and I can see you in heaven is if we both have been forgiven our sin through faith in Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here today and you are uncertain whether or not you'll spend eternity in heaven. And if that's you, then I beg you today, choose Christ. And be rescued by him. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Oh, Father, in these moments, as you have spoken to us through your word, I pray that, that we would see that we need more than just a red shirt. We need the very blood of Jesus Christ to cover us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I'm thankful that you have made that available to each and every person who would by faith repent their sin and trust in you. So now, God, I pray that in this moment, in this room, 
for every person here who is uncertain whether they're going to heaven when they die. I pray, oh God, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, open their eyes to see and give them the courage and the faith to believe that Jesus died for them, for their sin, and that through Jesus they can have peace, a perfect peace, dwelling in intimacy with you. So, Father, right now I pray that you would strengthen us and for all who are in this room who are followers of, your, of yours, who do belong to Jesus, I pray, oh God, that you would give us the discipline we need to taste the peace that you provide from here to heaven, that, that we would focus on Jesus, on who he is, the truth teller and the life giver and the king, that we would focus on what he has done. He has loved us and washed us from our sin and that we would focus on who we are in Christ Jesus, that we are his kingdom and his priests. And we're the embodiment of his rule and reign on this earth, that we're his hands and feet, helping others who are mired in the misery of their own sin find relief and peace through faith in Jesus Christ. So now, Father, I pray that you would speak in ways that only you can and that you would draw to yourself each one whom you are calling and that lives will be transformed by your grace today. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray these things. Amen.